Hi guys, welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I am Jennifer and this is episode 22. Dating update. (laughs) You guys already know I'm no longer on the dating app, so there is no dating update and I don't think there will be one for a while. Honestly, I just don't think my heart can take it. The last round on the app was especially crushing. I didn't feel any real connection with anyone. There were, you know, some guys, a few dates, but again, nothing that went beyond one date. I almost had a second date, but he canceled at the last minute and I haven't heard from him since. So you guys already know the details, so I will spare us both and not rehash, but I just don't think you know, this is the right time. It's not that I think I'll be alone for the rest of my life. I I don't think that, but maybe it's just not the right time right now. It's out of my hands anyway. Um, As far as the job, I haven't heard anything more about the layoffs at work, but I imagine word should be coming down pretty soon, uh, probably before the end of January on you know, who's being laid off and if I'll still have a job. Um, But I'll keep you guys posted. I mean, again, it's out of my hands. (laughs) TV recommendations. This week is more of a suggestion than a recommendation. A couple of weeks back, I watched The Prom on Netflix. Guys, I didn't like it. I'm sorry. I know it's very popular, but... I thought it was awful. Like uh, actors that I usually love were just terrible in this. Meryl Streep was over the top, which I I get that that was part of her character. Like her character is supposed to be like, you know, sort of outrageous and um, out of touch. But um, this portrayal, it came across as like a parody Nicole Kidman, who I love, was completely wasted, aside from the one like Fosse-inspired number that she did, which was really good. All that did was sort of magnify all that they didn't do with her for the rest of the film. And James Corden, and I love James Corden, but he should never, and I mean never, ever again attempt a role that requires an American accent. It was awful. I felt bad for not liking it. And, you know, the the message is a good one. It's one of inclusivity. And, you know, I thought, well, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm feeling irritable the first time I watched it. So I decided to try and watch it a second time. I did not make it through an entire second viewing because I really hated this movie. But even still, I went online afterwards, you know, I just thought, okay, well, it's just probably just me, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that everybody liked something that I didn't like. So I was like, well, what, what's the general consensus out there? And let me tell you guys, plenty of people also hated this movie, and not just for the bad acting. 
The biggest controversy was the casting of James Corden because he is a heterosexual and the role he was playing was that of a gay man. And they panned his performance as offensive due to him, quote, playing up gay stereotypes. I am not a gay man, so I don't have an opinion on this. For me, what was most offensive was his American accent. I mean, he moved in and out of that accent at dizzying speeds, which might explain why I felt so sick to my stomach while I was watching it. I would not recommend this movie. But if you want to see a good movie that is also about inclusivity, skip on over to Hulu and watch Freak Show. This movie I loved. It's about a boy named Billy who decides to be his true authentic self and run for homecoming queen while attending a super conservative school. It's sweet, it's funny, it's heartbreaking, and it's just really, really good. It does tell the story of inclusivity, but without resorting to stunt casting. Well, with the exception of Billy's mom, who's played by Bette Midler, but her role is very small, even but she's very good in it. But even her role does not overshadow the point of the movie. Some of the characters are a bit, I guess, I don't know, like one-dimensional, probably because it's, you know, like a typical high school movie. So there's like your main cheerleader, the jock, the bully. But the lead character, Billy, is played by Alex Lothar, and he is so good that you can just kind of look past all those like a high school movie, I think tropes, I don't know if that's the right word, stereotypes is probably better. But if you are looking for a good movie that tells a really good message, skip the prom and watch Freak Show on Hulu. And one more feel good recommendation because why not? One half of my favorite twins sent me a text and told me to watch Soul on Disney Plus. This is the one that I call my forever kid. We usually have the same taste in movies. (laughs) In fact, (laughs) I remember watching Napoleon Dynamite with her for the first time. And she and I were the only ones who thought it was funny. Like nobody else watching it thought it was funny, which of course just made it funnier. (laughs) But I watched Soul on her recommendation and I'm so glad I did. It's really sweet. It's cute. It's funny. But also... It tells the story of how important it is to live each day. So like one of the jokes in the movie is don't miss the water all around you just because you're too busy searching for the ocean. It was really good. It was very sweet. I got all choked up and emotional at the end. But after I was done watching that, I decided to, you know, just fully go emotional. And I rewatched Coco for, I don't know. 12th, 15th, 20th time. And I just fully had a good cry. I love Coco. If you haven't seen it, please go watch it. It's so good. It's so sweet. It tells a really important message just, you know, about um, heritage and not forgetting those that have moved on. And it's just, oh, it's so sweet. Um, It is my favorite Disney Pixar movie, and that's saying something, because there's a lot of really good Pixar movies out there. But yeah, I I cried a lot this week. (laughs) Podcast recommendations? 
If you like podcasts like My Favorite Murder or True Crime Obsessed, you will like Date with Dateline. It's a weekly comedy podcast, um, and it basically like retells the story of that week's Dateline. And I know what you're thinking. Dateline is a comedy podcast, but it's funny in the way that My Favorite Murder is funny, but not as edgy, which if you listen to My Favorite Murder, you probably know what I mean. But like My Favorite Murder, the hosts of a Dateline, Kimberly and Katie, they're not actually making fun of the crime and they're certainly not making fun of the victims. It's more like observational comedy where they're basically just saying in their podcast the same thing that you would be saying from your couch if you were watching Dateline. I've been listening to this one for a while and it's really good. It's it's very funny. Um, They're both funny, but for whatever reason, Kimberly's sense of humor, I don't know if it matches more with mine. I just, I find her funnier. (laughs) All right, now that you are all caught up on my week, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So guys, let me start by saying if the audio sounds a little disjointed this week, I, I usually record the podcast in two segments. But what I do is I do the first segment, I edit, and then I immediately record the second segment. In this week, I had a few days in between because I've been, I've been having a sore throat because it's been raining here and I have sinus issues and blah, blah, blah. So um, I was kind of trying to get past the sore throat before I recorded the second segment, but um, time was running out. So if you hear any sort of weirdness, you know, audio weirdness or disconnect or whatever between the two segments, that's why. So this week, I came across the story of Hillary Hayward Thomas. Now, maybe you don't know her by that name. Maybe you know her by the name Ilaria Baldwin. That's right, Mrs. Alec Baldwin. Guys, this story, this story is so bizarre. I I had to look into it further. Uh, It's so weird. So basically, if you haven't heard, Hillary Hayward Thomas, a.k.a. Ilaria Baldwin, has been sort of showing this fake persona for 10 years. She has been portraying herself as someone who was born and raised in Spain, when in fact, she was actually born and raised in Massachusetts. That's not all. She also, like, bizarrely faked this Spanish accent for the last 10 years. Like, she's a public person. Like, she is very, very active on her Instagram. She, um is apparently available for like, uh, you could hire her as a speaker. I, I have no idea what she would come to speak on, but you can hire her to come and speak at your event. I, I don't know, uh, in her fake Spanish accent or like she's been on inter- interviews. She's been on talk shows. You know, I she seems to be sort of like a lifestyle guru, I guess. I don't know. I took a quick look at her Instagram um, just to get some more background so I could talk about her more this week. It seems to be just a lot of pictures of her pregnant 
in underwear, followed by pictures of her like two weeks after giving birth with a completely flat belly. Okay. I, I don't know. How do you make a living on that? And she's got a lot of followers, so she's doing something right. Because I have to tell you, <laughs> it, it, the more I research this, yes, it's bizarre, but it is so funny. I couldn't stop laughing. I mean, when you know that it's all a lie and you start watching interviews with her and you see the one where she's on the Today Show where she is struggling to find the English word for cucumber. And they, you, what, you, what, what you say? How you call? I, what? What are you talking about? You were born and raised in Massachusetts, Hillary. What are you talking about? And the, the really weird thing is this, this all sort of happened, coincidentally, around the time she met Alec Baldwin. I, I, I don't know how those coincide, but th that can't be a coincidence, right? Because... Anyone who knew her prior to 2009, kids that went to high school with her, people that worked with her, her dance partner for three years, all of them said, we don't know who Ilaria is. She was always Hillary. She didn't, she wasn't born and raised in Spain. We went to high school with her. You know, they all said nice things about her. Not one of them had a bad thing to say about her. They said she was smart. She was funny. She was kind. She's obviously very attractive. She was, her, her parents, I believe, are both professors. She was raised in an affluent area of Massachusetts. She was uh, in an affluent setting, affluent home. You know, I, 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 I don't know what happened. But now, in sort of, now that she's been found out, she sort of came out and said, you know, trying to defend herself, she said, when they asked specifically about the accent, she said it was because she speaks two languages and she gets confused, which, you know, is why she slips in and out of her Spanish accent. Guys, my mom speaks two languages, also Spanish and English, and she was born and raised in Panama. Never have I ever heard my mom in my entire life of almost 50 years slip in and out of her accent or say a Spanish word when she intended to say an English word or vice versa? She's also now saying that she never claimed to be born in uh, Spain. Mallorca, 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 Spain. And yes, she did. Yes, she did. Not only in interviews, but also, you know, while doing uh, spokesperson things um, and on her page where you would actually go to hire her to speak at your event. It's right on there. To, oh, well, it was. <laughs> it's recently been updated to say uh, born in Massachusetts. But the thing is, you know, she keeps trying to say in her defense, like, I love the Spanish culture and, um, you know, I, I, in my private life, I've always been known, known as Ilaria, even though I was, I was born Hillary. Um, people in my, my private circle have always called me Ilaria, which is also a lie. But what she was trying to say was, what's wrong with me 
loving a certain culture and, uh, you know, living that way. Nothing. Nothing's wrong with that. I mean, anybody can do that. Guys, like I said, my mom, born and raised in, uh, in, in Panama, did not come to the States. I believe she was in her late 20s when she came to the States. We were raised in a household, you know, that kind of had that um, Spanish culture, you know, th- with the food, with um, the decor, you know, I, I, I love it. I, it kind of formed me. I still carry that into my adulthood. I still love the food. I still love the heritage. I st- the, 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 um, the culture, the Spanish culture is beautiful. And and I did carry that into my adulthood. However, I do not say that I am Spanish, Hispanic, Latin, Cuban, Mexican, Panamanian, because I was not born there. I was born in Buffalo, New York. So while I can appreciate uh, the culture and, and incorporate some of that into, I don't claim it. It's not mine. It's something I grew up with, but it belongs to my mom. It's just an influence with me. And that's where the problem is with Hilaria is not that she is, uh, appreciating the culture. It's that she is lying literally about who she is, where she was born. And Now that she's been caught, she's playing the victim to the hilt. 10 years, guys. Can you imagine 10 years? That is some next level commitment, right? But the more I was looking into this, the more it got me thinking about lies, lying. Not only the lies that we tell each other, but the lies that we tell ourselves. Now, let me start off by saying something that you guys already know. There are degrees of lying, right? I'm not talking about the kind of lies that involve criminal activities. I mean, most people don't engage in those kind of lies anyway. I'm talking about the kind of lies we do engage in. Little white lies. Yeah, we all do it every day, sometimes several times a day. You know, your coworker asks you if you like their new haircut and you say yes, but you really think that it looked better when they had longer hair? Telling them you like it, it's a harmless white lie. What good would it do to tell them that they looked better before they got their haircut? It would only hurt their feelings. Maybe when the hair grows out a little bit longer, you can kind of go up to them and say, oh, I love your hair at this length. Okay. But in the moment, does no good to tell them that you don't like their haircut. It's mean. As this reminds me, <laughs> I dated a guy one time who um, he was perfectly nice guy, right? Nothing really wrong with him, but he had this one thing that I just could not get past. And it was, it was a a physical attribute, you know, so it wasn't something he could change. It was something he had to live with. I couldn't live with it. And I knew it. I tried, tried to look past it, tried to make allowances for it. And I couldn't do it. I I, I knew that there was no 
this was not going to be in any way a long-term relationship. And so rather than waste either one of our time, you know, I just decided to just have a talk with him and break up with him. But when I did, I did not tell him the truth of why I was breaking up with him. Why would I do that? What purpose would that have served? It would have only hurt his feelings, possibly damaged his self-esteem, right? It's a physical attribute. He couldn't change it. So I said something, you know, of course, along the lines of, it's not you, it's me, which technically was true. It was me who had the problem with it. But shortly after we broke up, he did um, meet uh, and marry a woman. And as far as I know, they're still together and they've got some kids and perfectly happy. And I'm not saying that if I had told him the truth that, you know, he wouldn't have met the love of his life, but maybe it would have, you know, got him to the point where he wouldn't have, he would have been more self-conscious about it. Maybe he would have, you know, had some self-doubt, maybe even enough that he wouldn't have introduced himself to, you know, the woman of his dreams. Who knows? Now, that's little white lies, right? Where we, we, we say them just because we don't want to hurt feelings. Then there are lies of perception. Again, most of the time, these are harmless. The world we live in now and have been living in for probably the last two decades, I think MySpace started in the early 2000s, basically since social media took off. It's one where only our best selves are shown. You guys know we've talked about this before, but for the most part, we already know this, right? We, we're in on it. We know nobody's life is perfect. I, I think, at least I hope, the days of trying to keep up with the Joneses, I hope they're behind us. I, I, they need to be. I, I, think, I think 2020 was a, a bit of a reality check for all of us. But these lies of perception... We all do it. I mean, I I certainly do. I know when I'm taking a picture, I'll put it in the frame of like the most flattering background. You know, like if I want to take a cute picture of Gracie sleeping, maybe I don't show the unmade bed in the background. I, I crop it out. Actually, that's not true. My bed is always made if I'm not in it. I mean, I get up, I stand up, I turn around, I make my bed every day. It's a habit, and I'm kind of a freak about it. Here's a better example. When I'm taking a selfie, the angles and the lighting are going to be as flattering as I can get. I mean, no one takes a selfie from a downward angle at my age, and I mean no one. This may not be the biggest lie, but is it authentic? Eh, sort of. It's definitely true that if I hold my phone at like a higher than eye level and take that selfie, I'll look better than if I was like leaned forward and looking down into the camera, right? But aside from like the completely bizarre and hilarious lie that Hillary has been telling for the last 10 years, the kind of lie that um, I heard them talk about, I was watching a YouTube uh, a YouTuber, YouTuber who was sort of breaking down this whole um, Hillary storyline. Um, and she started talking about fallacies. 
fallacies that we tell ourselves, fallacies that we portray to others. And the one that really struck me was something called the fallacy of sunken costs, because it is often the lie that we tell ourselves the most, and it causes the most damage, and we all do it. So basically, what it is, the fallacy of sunken costs, it means that we tell ourselves something that is true up to this point. Like we don't calculate the future costs of something. So like, for example, um, to say like, oh, okay, I've been with this guy for five years and it's not the greatest relationship and, you know, I probably wouldn't be healthy to get married to him, but what am I supposed to do? Like start over with someone new? Hmm. Or, you know, oh, I've been at this job for 10 years and I hate it, but I can't start entry level at another company at my age. So what you're doing is you're saying like, uh, <laughs> you're only looking at what you've already invested and you're not calculating like the sunken costs of what hasn't happened yet, what you will still invest, more time, more money, more energy, right? We don't realize how harmful this is, how detrimental this is, this lie that we are telling ourselves. Guys, you know, I have told you in the past that I have stayed in relationships far longer than I should have because I told myself it would get better or it was better than being alone. Both of these were lies. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to do this anymore. I, I don't want to enter this next decade of my life continuing to lie to myself. I want to live authentically. And I, I know that's a bit of a buzz phrase these days, but it's, it's the only way I know to describe it, you know, to, to be, live a more truthful life. So first, I have to start with why I lie. I mean, this is obvious, right? I, it'd be obvious to all of you too. I lie because I want to put myself in a better light to, to others and to myself, right? Usually this is based in poor self-esteem and shame. Shame is a heavy topic. <laughs> it's a hot topic for another episode. Maybe after I work on being authentic, I'll have the courage to tackle that giant steaming pile of poo. Little lies or white lies have become an acceptable way of communicating in a civil society, right? I mean, this is why we do it because, you know, and it keeps the peace. You know, no, of course you don't look fat in that outfit. You look great. Or it gives hope when needed. And everything will be fine. It'll be okay. You have no idea if things will be fine, things will be okay. No one knows. But in that moment, they don't want to hear that. They want reassurance. And so you tell them this little white line, everything's going to be fine. Who's it hurting? Whereas brutal honesty in all situations is exactly that. And it can be as corrosive and damaging is lying all the time. So we have to find this balance, you know, in this, when we interact with each other. 
And that might explain why we lie to each other, but why do we lie to ourselves? I told you guys when I was little, I was a very prolific liar, a storyteller, you might say. I told elaborate tales of things that never happened. Anyone remember my imaginary boyfriend? I wasn't good at it. No one in my family was fooled. But because of that, as I got older, I learned to fine-tune my lies, cut out some of the dramatics and details, base them in truth so they seem more believable. There was a time in my life when I was in my 20s when I lied all the time about everything and anything. Big lies, little lies, harmless lies, harmful lies. Mm. I'm embarrassed to even talk to you guys about this, but if 2020 is going to be about me being more authentic, then I, I guess I have to. Mm. Guys, <laughs> when I look back at myself in my 20s, and I see that girl, I don't know if I want to slap her or hug her. Mm. God, she was so lost. I would tell the most ridiculous lies. I remember having a conversation with coworkers where I told them I had seen a movie I hadn't just because I didn't want to be the only one in the group who hadn't seen it. Uh, who cares? Who cares if you haven't seen the movie? I also remember a time when a friend asked me about a sweater I was wearing. She, she complimented a sweater I was wearing, and I lied and told her I had gotten it at the Limited when, in fact, it was a knockoff Forenza that I had gotten at a discount store. My friend would not have cared that I got a sweater from a discount store. In fact, she probably would have high-fived me and asked me for the name of the store, right? Those are just two examples. There are literally thousands too many to remember. It came so naturally to me to lie that I, I didn't even see it as a problem. So what if I didn't go see that movie? Who was I hurting by saying that I did? I remember when I was about, I was in my early 30s, maybe around 32. I started counseling for the first time for an issue that I was struggling with at that time. And I said the first time, I've actually been to counseling th on three separate occasions for three <laughs> separate um, problems I was struggling with. And I highly recommend counseling. I, I think it helped me a lot. Um, and if you are you know, thinking about it, if there's something you're struggling with, even if there isn't, I, I think everyone should go to counseling because everyone has something that they should either be working on or working out. So anyway, my first time in counseling, I was talking, you know, at my session, I, I was talking to my uh, counselor and I mentioned that um, I, earlier that day, I had told a lie, right? Something small, something inconsequential. Like earlier that day, I told a friend that I didn't get an email that she had sent when in fact I had, but I just didn't respond the moment I got it because she had said something in the email that annoyed me and I wanted to be bratty and not respond right away. And so I continued on 
with my story that I was telling the therapist and, and she's like, oh, uh, hold on, wait a minute, hold on. Why did she lie about not receiving the email? I said something, I don't know, like, I don't know, I, I, I was annoyed with her at the time and I, I didn't want to tell her that I was annoyed with her. I, I know it was bratty, but you know, what? it was just easier to say I didn't get it. Who's it hurting? I didn't want to hurt her feelings, so, you know. And my therapist said, every time you tell a lie like that, you diminish your sense of self-worth. It's hurting you. And then she said, do you think, you know, she will stop being your friend because you didn't answer her email right away? Or worse, is your friendship that flimsy? that it won't survive you telling her the truth about being a little annoyed with something she said. I realized then that all of these little, you know, harmless lies were all based in insecurity. I was so sure that if anyone saw the real me, they wouldn't like me because I didn't like myself. But it took me about another 10 years before I finally felt secure enough in myself to stop doing this. And it kind of happened on accident. Back when I think I was 40, when I got a job uh, working at a center for autistic adults, because I loved this job. And I mean, I loved this job. I would have stayed at this job forever. But unfortunately, at that time, it was when I split with my husband and the salary at this job was just not high enough to support me on my own. And I had to find a different job. But man, I love this job. I had never worked around a group of people who were so authentically themselves. So, so joyous. Literally every day was a joy to go to work. And there was one individual <laughs> that I would react interact with on an almost daily basis. And he was somebody that I, I truly came to care about and love. But he would ask a ton of questions all the time. Like even the first time I met him, I can very clearly remember the interaction. I was passing him in the hallway and he spotted a new face immediately and made a beeline to me. I had no uh, sort of background on him at all, no information. And he started just rapid firing questions at me. And and this is just something he did whenever he, he talked to people, you know, but especially new people. It's almost like a little test he put them through. So he starts firing off these questions and they start off easy, but they are fast and you've got to answer quickly. So it's like he starts off like, when's your birthday? How old are you? Where do you live? Where were you born? And then they get a little bit more difficult. You know, what'd you have for dinner last night? What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite color? And I'm answering these questions like I am on a game show, like the pressure is on, but I am hanging in there. I am answering as fast as he can answer your question. And then he asked me a question that I didn't know the answer to. And I sort of paused and I was like, oh, I, you know what? I don't know. Well, what I actually didn't know at that time was that this individual had word sensitivities and one of them was answering, I don't know. So he had a pretty strong reaction when I said this and I of course had no idea what I had said that had triggered it. 
And I remember later on that day, I was talking to my boss about it. And I said, it took me 40 years to have enough confidence of myself to admit when I don't know something. And now I can't say it. She laughed and she said, no, you, you can say it. You just have to find a way to say it differently. Admitting you don't know something is not a weakness. It's a strength. Find your strength. After that, whenever I would interact with this individual, he would ask me something that I didn't immediately know the answer to. I would say something like, let me find out for you, or I'll check and have an answer for you the next time you're in the office. And it worked. Getting into why I lied, as I said, that was based in insecurity, and that's a much bigger conversation than we have time for today. But I also told little lies, not based in reality, but based in perception. What will people think about me if they knew the truth? When I feel the urge to lie, even today, to bend perception, it's because there's someone that I think is going to judge me, right? But who is actually judging me? No one. Well, I mean, no one that I actually care about. No one's opinion that I actually care about. Life is messy. We all know this. No one that loves me is going to care that there's an unmade bed in the background of my adorable sleeping dog pic that they saw I posted on Instagram, right? Sometimes, this is not the case with me, but sometimes we might feel that we are forced into being inauthentic. We might have people in our lives that make us feel less than if we are our true selves. You know, like, I don't know, maybe it's like the school moms who you think will look down on you if you drive your kids to school in your pajamas. Nobody will, I promise you. Maybe it's, you know, like your partner, your friend who teases you every time you mispronounce a word, corrects your grammar. Or maybe it's a family member who criticizes you because you're not the world's greatest housekeeper. Guys, why is this acceptable? These, these people are not enhancing our lives. Why are we spending time with them? Right? Why are we allowing this in our life? The people in our lives should be enriching it, not inauthenticating it. Is that a word? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. It is now. I... I just coined it. So in order to change this, one of, the, um, one of the suggestions I saw on how to work on being a more authentic you is to impart something called radical transparency in other areas of our lives, either in certain scenarios or with certain people. But I mean, guys, let's be honest. This is not something you can do with everyone at all times. Like I said, brutal honesty is exactly that, brutal. But the suggestion was to pick one person in your life who you feel, you know, with whom you feel safe enough to be truly honest with what's going on with you, how you're feeling, without judgment, you know? I hate to break it to you, sister number three, but this is 
probably going to be you. <laughs> well, not probably. It is. Being honest also means that you're likely to have to set some boundaries. And there is risk here. Not everyone in your life is going to like the new, more authentic you. And maybe they won't stick around. But what are you really losing? Someone who can't accept you for who you really are? Mm, okay. Bye. You don't need that kind of negativity in your life anyway. These people that you feel you cannot be your true authentic self with, you know, the people in your life, whether it's family members, friendships, romantic, romantic relationships, you need to distance yourself from these people. You know, whether if it can't be done physically because it's a family member, then mentally. And if it can't be done completely, then at least limit your exposure to them. I said, you don't need that kind of activity in your life. And once these people are removed, what you have left is real relationships based in truth and honesty, real love, real friendships. Taking it back to Ilaria Baldwin, when, while I thought the whole thing was completely bizarre and really funny, I can't help but also feel a little sorry for her. Like, what part of her made her start this whole lie in the first place? Like this whole other persona? What sense of insecurity? Like how low does your self-esteem need to be? Where, you know, you have to like completely change who you are. You believe who you are isn't good enough. Well, I don't know if this is true, but maybe like the truth coming out, maybe it was a kind of a relief, you know, she no longer had to go on pretending to be this thing that she isn't. I, it had to have been exhausting. Guys, this is 10 years. <laughs> 10 years. And, and I can't even imagine the amount of anxiety it must have placed on her where at any moment someone who knew her prior to 2009 could come forward and say like, um, yeah, uh, whoa, what's this? What's happening? What's going on here? Karen Walker style, right? I, I don't understand. I don't know why some, why this didn't happen before. I don't, how did she get away with it for 10 years? That's probably the better question. I mean, maybe she cut ties with like all her friends and, and, and high school buddies and stuff that she worked that knew Hillary as opposed to Ilaria. Uh, but uh, her parents, her brother, like none of them said to her, like, what are you doing? This, this, is, this is weird. I, okay. I, I, I watched interviews with her too. And it was, it's so weird because the accent like kind of, comes and goes like sometimes you see her and and she's like full on uh you know spanish accent you know can't find the english word for cucumber and other times she just sounds like hillary from massachusetts like it's very weird i i don't know like maybe she's <laughs> maybe she's trying to phase it out like ross <laughs> you guys remember that episode of friends ross was trying to phase out the uh 
uh, fake British accent he took on when he was teaching the, the students for the first time because he thought it would make him seem more authoritative. <laughs> Maybe that's what she was doing. Maybe she was trying to phase it out. So, you know, I thought, well, maybe now that she's, you know, sort of caught, that she could kind of just drop it and say, like, I don't know, maybe not an apology. I mean, I, whatever. I, but maybe some kind of explanation of, guys, I, I don't know. I mean, something. Maybe she could say, I, 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 I bumped my head really hard in 2009. And when I came to, I thought I was Spanish. Okay. I mean, that we could accept. At least that sounds like plausible, right? <laughs> it would also explain why why no one in her life stopped her from doing it, right? I, I don't know. But that actually does not appear to be the case. Uh, in an article that was just published a few days ago, I think it was in the New York Times, they interviewed her about all of these, uh, you know, truths coming to light. And she just basically doubled down. And she said, she denied she ever said she was born in Spain. And guys, that's a lie. Like there are, there's video clips out there. There's, uh, there's receipts that show it's in print. It's on video. It is coming out of her mouth. It is coming out of her husband's mouth. There's a clip of him from uh, Letterman, I think. I, I'm not sure when, but he's kind of like, um, he's imitating her. He's like, um, talking about a conversation they had on the phone. He's kind of imitating her end of the conversation. He speaks in this strong Spanish accent. And then he kind of stops and says, I, I'm not making fun of, of the Spanish accent. My, my wife was born in Spain. This is how she talks. Okay. Did you really not know that that was a lie? Eh, Alec, I, 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 I'm more inclined to believe he knew all along that she was not born in Spain. I don't know. Seems so weird. She takes no responsibility. Again, she said she never said she was born in Spain. And she blames trolls for making up lies about her to bring her down. Hmm. Maybe I should send her the number of my therapist. Oh, oh, all right, guys. This was a long episode. I guess I had a lot to say about lies. So I will just go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you so much for coming back for episode 22. Don't forget, join the Facebook group, My So-Called Midlife Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at JennyJoy316. If you like the podcast, tell your friends and then tell them to listen. That second part is important. Also, if you like the podcast, share it. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Instagram. Tag me when you do. Email me at mysocalledmidlifepodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, love you. Bye.